Well, good morning, Grace Church. Let me make sure I flip this thing on. Good? Right? Um, I have to give a, a quick commercial uh, that, that kind of describes why I'm set up uh, this way. Uh, it's because it was a prerequisite for me to be able to, to speak. I needed someone to set up stuff for me. No. Um, so far, this, uh, this morning, we've had a lot about, uh, about uh, prayer from John, John Michelson praying for the, the women in our church, for Koinonia, for us praying for our, our graduates. Um, Andy, all-encompassing prayers, all the aspects of of the church, and really want to encourage you all as the body here that if you have a prayer need, uh, little or small, um, whether it's sending an email off to Deb Aloisi to have it sent out to all the whole church, or if it's something maybe a little more personal you don't want out sent out that way, to call one of 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 us elders, or text one of us elders, I'll say, um, I hurt my back yesterday helping uh, my mother-in-law uh, move. So that's why I'm uh, um, on this stool. But I sent out a little text uh, to my fellow elders, uh, just letting them know. And throughout the day, I got a text back uh, just of encouragement. And while I'm still uh, waiting on the Lord for the, the physical uh, healing and uh, comfort to come back, uh, my soul has been refreshed by knowing that I am being held up by my my brothers uh, in Christ that way. So I want to encourage you to to uh, take advantage of that if that is a need uh, there. So that commercial has been brought to you by uh, Grace Free Church in Viroqua. Uh, let's, uh, as we get into God, opening God's word, let's start uh, with uh, prayers. Please bear with me. Dear Lord, you are unchangeable. You are, how can we not come before you and be awestruck at who you are, as you are our creator, as you are our God, and you, you want to know us. You want to be in relationship with us, Lord, and you've shown that through the gift uh, of your Son, and the, the grace and the love we receive through his life, death, and resurrection. Lord, and now as, as we look into your word, Lord, we thank you for the, the gift of your word that we can know you through that and grow in relationship with you through that, Lord. And through the example of your people uh, who've gone before us, Lord. So, Lord, yes, as we, as we open your word, guide us by your spirit. Uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, and see how we can uh, just draw near uh, to you and focus on you, Lord. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. How many of you have either heard of or read the book Alexander and the Terrible Horrible, no good, very bad day. Show of hands. I want to see who's seen that. Who's okay. All right. Good, good, good. For those of you who haven't read it, the main character, as the title suggests, is Alexander. And it goes throughout his day. And to whether it's faults of his own or circumstances that uh, he experiences, 
he's having a terrible, horrible, very, very bad, no good day. I said that wrong. I know that. There. <laughs> that I read. I've had that read as a kid, and I've read that to my kids, and. I really always liked his just, he always, there's certain points and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to move to Australia. I'm going to try to get away from this terrible, horrible, no goodness, just move to Australia. And the book ends with the mom saying, pretty much straightforward, just, uh, you know what, even in Australia, they have bad days. I'm wondering, have you guys ever had days like that that you've wanted to say that aren't just terrible, that aren't maybe just horrible, maybe just no good, very bad days? I know I've had them. I'm a very task-oriented person. Now I've had to learn that if I go into work on Mondays after a weekend, if I make up a plan, there's A, B, C, and D to do, and they're going to get done by lunch. That's how I can be. Very rarely, by the time I get to lunch, are A, B, C, or D done on that. Have you ever had days like that? There's times where I go to get to the end of the day and I'm like, what, just, what did I do today on that? Because there's disruptions, there's, there's things that throw me off, and I can, I can get grumpy. I can get bummed out by, by that because things just snowball, and then if I get stressed, as a kid, I liked Australia, so I, 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 like when Alexander says, I just want to move to Australia, I was like, yes, I'm going to do that. But have you ever, as you've gone through those days, been like, you know what, I, I would just rather be at home, I would rather be on vacation, I'd rather be anywhere than here right now. Well, it said the book ends with the mom saying, you know what, even in, even in Australia, they have been days. Even at home, we can have bad days. Even at work, no matter where we go, there can be bad days. And sometimes those bad days can seem to just, things follow, follow us. And I think the people of Philippi seem to think that Paul is having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year. But uh, because they end up sending Epaphroditus with a gift to support Paul. I'm thinking they're also trying to send words of encouragement because of where Paul has found himself. In prison. And Paul, along with his fellow minister, Timothy, penned the letter Philippians. And rather than say, like the mom said in the book, well, bad days happen to everyone. He takes a very different approach. Going against that, you have to take the bad days with the good days. But rather, well, let's go ahead and open the first, uh, to Philippians 1 and find out how Paul responds to what he's thinking, the Philippians thinking, is a very bad, horrible, no good day. So we'll be in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. And I just envision Paul as he's probably sitting there writing this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me 
has really served to advance the gospel. So that has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And, some, and most of the brothers, having become more confident in the Lord, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Indeed, some proclaim Christ, some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in everything, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. There are three things I want to draw out from this passage today. And first we'll look at it from Paul's perspective, and then we'll bring it to our perspective. But from Paul's perspective, the three points we looked at is, one, is Paul's actual perspective. The second is Paul's encouragement. And the third is Paul's focus and motive. So Paul's perspective, I think when he was put in prison, he had probably one, one of two choices to make on how to view his imprisonment. Because we know that he wanted to go to Rome to proclaim Christ. Later on we'll see in the book of Philippians that he wants to return to the Philippians. So he has that desire, that plan that he's trusting the Lord to bring through. But here he has being in prison. He has opportunity, his perspective is to either see this as a setback or to see this as an opportunity. And I want to say Paul's perspective is to see his imprisonment, his setback, not as a setback, but as an opportunity because he is trusting in God's sovereignty and his care and God's grace. And he has peace with that. We saw at the beginning of the book, he greets the Philippians talking about grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think as he greets them in that, he's understanding God's grace, peace as well. So in these first few verses, He's wanting to make sure that the Philippians know that things are not set back, things have not been derailed, but that in God's sovereignty and plan, the gospel has been able to advance. We've talked about, uh, here at Grace Church before about the idea of root to fruit and the fact of how God changes people, where he uses people and circumstances in our life to reveal our true selves, to, re to reveal our hearts, and how that then gives an opportunity to trust the Lord, to follow the Lord, obey him, 
or even to rest in the Lord. And here, I think he's showing that he is seeing this as an opportunity, and you see, and he's, his perspective is trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord and his plan there. He's not allowing the people or his circumstances being in prison to derail him from following the Lord. Now, when as I read this, when it, Paul says, how does, I had the question, how does the whole imperial guard and all the rest know he's put in, in prison for the gospel? I'm like, really? The whole, the whole guard? I, how many times when you've told a story, have you ever exaggerated at all? Or do you think the classic thing is like, oh, you caught a fish this big. But by the time you get home and tell the story, you wrestled for 15 minutes or more to catch a fish this big. Right? We tend to exaggerate. We want our stories to be good. But I don't think Paul is exaggerating here. I think because of his trust in the Lord's plan and where he has put them, that he's going to be keeping up, telling people about the Lord, living for the Lord. So in the way he's conducting himself and the way he's speaking to the guards, that while he might not have spoken to each individual guard through that, people are going to be like, guards are going to be like, hey, there's this guy in here who's like not bummed out he's in prison and he keeps talking about this Christ guy. And then the word just spread. So Paul is not worried or, or inflicted by his imprisonment. Again, I think he has the peace of God. As he writes later in Philippians in chapter 4, he says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. He's speaking out of that from his current circumstances and his current trust stance in the Lord. But if, if that is not enough to tell the Philippians of the perspective, Paul continues on that he wants to give Philippians, the Philippians encouragement on there. Yes, he's encouraging them and saying, hey, what's happened to me has really advanced the gospel, but it hasn't been just through me. As he goes on in verse 14, saying, the most, and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I was thinking through that, that passage, and I'm like, how... How, how, how are they being encouraged? How are they becoming more confident in the Lord because of Christ's imprisonment? My natural inclination would be to go, well, that's what happens when you do that? Uh, part of that's, I think, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to shake up things too much on there. So when I see that, I'm like, oh, really, Lord? But I think what they're seeing is, again, they're seeing Paul's perspective, that it's an opportunity to be bold. It's not a setback. 
So he's giving them an example of, of having that perspective. And I think it's also a, kind of an answer to Paul's prayer in the verses just before this passage that uh, Scott spoke on last week. He's talking about he's, his prayer for the Philippians is that their love may abound more and more with knowledge, discernment, that they may have the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And I think he has that, just as he's prayed that for Philippians, I think he's been praying that for, for the Roman Christians and believers there. And he even says that those, verse 16, that the latter, the people who preach Christ out of goodwill, do it out of love. So they're abounding in that love. That trusting in the, in the Lord's sovereignty, growing in, in that love and that fruit of righteousness. Yeah, they are being encouraged by it. Because if, if Paul's not seeking, seeing a setback, why should I see that as a setback? And even later on, Paul in Philippians 3 talks about, says, brothers, join in imitating me and keeping your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So he's been giving an example here, seeking to encourage them as he's going to eventually call them to imitate him and to imitate others who are following And the next part, as he talks about not just people preaching uh, out of goodwill, and that's the idea of when it's out of goodwill, it's out of companionship, coming alongside, joining with, partnering with it. He says there are some that even preach out of envy and rivalry. Not sincerely. But thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. This is another part of the passage where I thought back, I'm like, how? How? How would you inflict someone? Like, they're already in prison. What are you, what are they going to do to make things any worse? On it. And I think it comes from the idea of when they say out of envy and rivalry I'm, I'm brought to 1 Corinthians 3 where there's squabbling going on in the, in the church of Corinth about something like hey I follow Paul, hey I follow Peter, hey I follow Apollos and Paul's kind of goes no, you're missing the point if, if that's what your focus is uh, he's like yeah I might plant Apollos waters, but it's God who gives the growth. It's God's plan that's that's making things happen. It's His work that's going on and making making things grow. So I think the people out of rivalry here are whether they're trying to be like, "Hey, I'm getting more converts," or "I'm doing this and not getting put in prison while you're in prison." They're like trying to stick it. I think they're trying to stick it to Paul. And in that, we get to Paul's focus, his motive 
of why he's doing what he's doing. And that is that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and that I rejoice. He's not worried about what the other, like he understands that the, there's people trying to stick it to him in prison. And he's like, okay. Because that's not where his motive, that's not his, his reason to do things is to be better than others, to have this selfish ambition. But it's to proclaim Christ. I'll say later, later on uh, in chapter 2, Paul will even say, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more highly or more significant than yourself. I think he corrects that, so I don't think he's leaving it there to say, oh yeah, if you want to be selfish with your proclaiming of Christ, go ahead, keep doing that. He's just, he's just wanting to say, yes, Christ is proclaimed. That's his point. That's his focus. That's his motive. Motive there. And he'll come alongside and correct or encourage them not to follow that method uh, later on. And why is, is that Paul's motive, his focus? In Philippians 13, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And what is that, that prize? I think to be with Christ. Chapter 3, verse 8, is the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Here. So his motive, his focus, is just that Christ is proclaimed. Wherever he goes, and his perspective is whatever happens, And he wants the Philippians, I think he wants us to be encouraged by his example, by the Roman brothers' example. A few weeks ago, Rich mentioned that we need to strive to increase our proclaiming, to strengthen that part. And I think that's interesting that then, as elders, we chose the book of Philippians because that's about living for Christ, which is proclaiming Christ. And hopefully as we do that, we're not doing it in pretense, but we are doing it in truth. I'll be the first, hopefully the first to say that all the time my motives aren't always in line with Christ as they should be. But Paul does Paul does give us a motive to strive for, to reclaim out of goodwill, out of that cooperation and out of love. And I think the rest of Philippians will flush out these ideas of, like, what is it, why, how can Paul have the, this perspective? How can Paul be encouraged on it? And, and what he's then going to call the Philippians to, and then I think what he calls us to, Without getting into those, we need to come back next week for all the other summers, or all the other summers, that wasn't right, all the other Sundays uh, to hear the rest of the book, or you can go home, read, read the book of Philippians and find out what those, what those uh, perspectives, encouragement, and focus is.
But, so what can we take from this? We've talked about Paul's perspective, relying on the sovereignty and care and direction of God. Paul's an encouragement as in, from himself to the Roman believers. And then Paul's focus, Christ proclaimed. So what then? Well, for Paul, it was in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ proclaimed. But what then for us? And I want to ask, what is your perspective today? In life, when things don't seem to go the way you intended, do you see them as a setback or an opportunity? I'm anticipating that this week that there will be things that will not go as planned, as hoped for. And my first instinct is to see it as a setback. So I, need to, I know I need to be praying to the Lord, help me see the opportunity in this changing, shifting of gears that I need to do, in the shift of direction, change of direction. So I want to challenge us. To choose to see God's sovereignty and care, especially seeking to see how it may give you an opportunity to serve, to advance the gospel, as in the case of Paul. Or maybe it's an opportunity just to be able to trust God more fully, like Paul is trusting God. Or to know Christ more deeply. Or as one of my favorite uh, Christian bands from the, from the 90s, DC Talk, who had a song, Day by Day, which actually took the course of that song from Godspell. Um, I think that was in the 70s. It says, uh, being able to pray to say, God, to see thee more clearly, to love thee more dearly, to follow thee more nearly. That's Paul's, Paul's perspective and what he's going on and wanting to grow in. Next is, where is your encouragement coming from? What are you being encouraged by? Are you encouraged or discouraged when you see others' hardship, especially in relationship to living out their faith? Whether the brother and sister in Christ that you know, when they go visit family, most of the family is not believers, and you hear of the, the hard time they had. Are you encouraged or discouraged by that? I can remember times in high school as I saw friends share stories of, of just trying to live out, out their, their faith. Sometimes it was in the direct proclamation of, of Christ and his, his work. Sometimes it was just saying, I feel the Lord calling me to this, and seeing people dismiss them or make fun of them or even ignore them. And times I was more discouraged by that. But why was I discouraged? I think it's because I didn't have that perspective. I wasn't allowing the encouragement or the focus, the motive of why do they do that? Because that is what God has called them to. That person is a son or a daughter of God. And then if the focus, as I think we'll see throughout Philippians, is that Christ is to be proclaimed, then I should be encouraged by it because they proclaimed Christ. And are you encouraged or discouraged to proclaim Christ when you see someone else do it well? 
This is going to the opposite end. Sometimes we can be discouraged from proclaiming Christ because you know, we saw it didn't go well for that person. But I want to say, even when it does go well for someone, how often do we say, I couldn't do it like that. I couldn't, I couldn't present it that way. I, I couldn't stand firm or strong in the Lord like that person did. And I want to say, because Christ is working through them that they're able to do that, and he's able to do that for you too. So find encouragement in that. And I would say encourage people, uh, others, when you see them do that. I even think of... Nope, I'm going to say that point for later. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, but then next, what's, what's your motive? What's your, what's your focus? Uh, in, in life. I think some of us could even say if you look around the culture, it could be just the accumulation of things or the, the sec- security in life, whether it's a family or, or wealth or in the job or just selfish things. Like we said, the, the rivals were proclaiming Christ out of selfish ambition, trying to get one-ups, trying to somehow get ahead. But that's not Paul's focus. I don't think it's the focus he calls us to. I mentioned the, Christi- the idea of Christian uh, competition. And that can happen even nowadays. When you talk to someone else from another church, questions come up, oh, how big is your church? Yeah, I come from a mega church. Oh, my pastor's well known at this. Or, you know, we have a really from this. When you hear those things, one, are you taking it and, okay, is this going out of rivalry? Why, why are they saying it? Maybe they're trying to say, our church is better than your church, or vice versa on there. But even amongst ourselves here, how with how involved you may be in the church, or whether we got to Wednesday morning men's Bible study, or J for J, or to whatever, or part of whatever ministry uh, teams there are, to make sure that we're not being the motive of trying to one-up each other. Those rivals were supposed to be brothers in Christ. They were supposed to be coming, trying to be in unity, and should be doing love, but they weren't. So Paul is calling us to, to, be, to proclaim Christ and do it out of love. It's our focus that. And he says, in that I rejoice. And I want to rejoice, and I'm going to assume that last week when the now happened, that the proclaiming of Christ was done in, in truth. And we heard some stories last, last Sunday uh, just conversations that were had and that they went around with a little tag on the doors. And I know, uh, talking to Seth throughout the week, that after they came back from that, then it was like that little QR square squiggly thing on there that people are able to scan and go to the website and view a gospel video and hear more about Grace, Grace Church. That isn't the build-up Grace Church. That is, that is the build-up of the kingdom. And the, the students were encouraged we're like, wait, we can see how many have viewed the website. We can see how many have viewed this video. 
And Seth was like, yeah, they kept asking me to refresh the page to see how, like, how many now, how many now, how many now have done it on that. And while that's exciting, exciting to see, and I want to say thank you, D-Now students and those leaders who did that, who proclaimed Christ there, I want to encourage you that uh, in the Lord that way, that I hope that that helps you become, become more confident in the Lord, to speak more boldly the word um, on there. And to make sure it's not just like, oh, hey, we got a thousand views on that video. We don't want to do that. Our focus is Christ proclaimed that people might uh, grow and know in the Lord. Even going back to that where Paul planted, Paulus watered in this case, some Dinah students planted, and if they went to the website, that's, that's watering it some more there. God's the one that makes it grow. We can't replace it and try to do God's job. Our job is to proclaim. And that's your focus. Now you might say, hey, all that sounds good. If Paul was a missionary, so that was his job to proclaim Christ. Did I have to say yes? That was, that was his job. He was an apostle. He was called by the Lord. But he's writing to the whole church of the Philippians. The beginning of the book says the saints at Philippi with overseers and deacons. And, and you'll see in verse 30, which Don will cover next week, be here, is that he calls the Philippians to engage in similar work. And I think because he calls the Philippians to engage in similar work, he calls us in the same work whether we say we're in ministry full-time vocationally or whatever, or wherever you're at. He's talking to people who aren't all doing exactly what he's doing. But at the same time, he's calling them to do exactly what he's doing by, as they go through life, proclaiming Christ to all. So that, let's... Let's close in prayer and ask for the Lord's help in these things, because we need it. I know I need it. Dear Lord, we just come before you, and again, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you for the example of these Roman believers, Lord. Uh, that we're to be an example to the Philippians, Lord. And we know that there are many other generations that have gone uh, since then that have led up to us now knowing the gospel, to having your word, Lord, to knowing Christ, because there have been other people who have been faithful to have the right perspective of who you are and how you direct life, to be encouraged by your word and the example of fellow believers, Lord, and then to make sure that they had the right focus of your transforming work of Christ being done in their lives and proclaiming that to others, Lord. I pray that you would help us each to have, to shape our perspective, to shape where we find encouragement, Lord, and how we can encourage to seek, tune our hearts just to your heart, Lord, of making, uh, making you great, making Christ great, knowing that you desire to be in that relationship, deep relationship uh, with us. 
and tend to make it known to others so that they can find joy in the Lord, find joy in Christ. So help us this week. As we know, there will be opportunities to see uh, versus setbacks, Lord. Help us just to rejoice in the proclamation uh, of you this week. Call this in Christ's name. Amen. Please go in peace.